0: Have you ever watched the TV show community and wondered what Abed was talking about when he discussed films or what films the show was spoofing with different outfits or references they made? If you answered yes, this is a podcast for you. Welcome to Cool Abed Films Chat, a podcast dedicated to discussing the many film references made in the TV show community. My co-host, special guest, and I will break down a film reference from the show, and we'll discuss the plot, the time period when the films were released, favorite quotes, and interesting trivia. Thank you so much for listening, and welcome to our next episode. Today I have a very special guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Josh. uh, I mean, this is Josh. Uh, How's it going?
0: It's going well. So, um, Josh, at one point, was on a podcast, but you said that you're doing two new projects coming up.
1: I'm moving at the end of November. And when I move, I'm going to set up a little space in my room to record. Um, so they're going to be, one of them is called tearful spelled T I E R F U L. It's gonna be a podcast about rankings. Uh, anything you can imagine, we're gonna figure it out as we go. But uh, it's basically a tier list. We do it. We mash two tier lists together, argue about why we have certain things at certain points, and then we go into it. Nice. Uh, the other one is uh, Upper Bowl Sports Podcast. It's just me and a buddy who are super into basketball and hockey, just talking about those. Maybe do like a segment with betting and. Uh, you know, uh, fantasy stuff. Um, we're kind of ironing out the details, but, uh, should be around December, like the start of December, mid-December.
0: Nice. So the reason that we actually, um, having Josh on is because he is a big community fan. And, um, so that's actually like how we got connected because of community. So, um, and he also loves movies, which we found out. So this is like the perfect, uh, opportunity to come together and talk about a film so what got you into community
1: I actually don't there wasn't really a specific thing that got me into it I remember in high school I was hearing about it um but I heard about like the first season and people were like yeah it's pretty good pretty good show and I didn't think anything of it and then in college one random night I saw it on Netflix and I was like you know what might as might as well so I put it on, and I think I binge watched. It. This is when season five, or just before season five, was just coming out. So
0: yeah, because you guys got it in Canada, whereas the United States did not get. It in yeah, exactly. We got it on Hulu instead. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah,
1: and now it's back. It's back, or I mean, it's on Netflix for you yeah. guys now yeah, too. Yeah, but now
0: it's yeah Netflix here, so that's actually how a lot of new people are coming into enjoying the fandom and enjoying the show is yeah. because of Netflix. So. Um, that's really amazing um and so today we're actually going to talk about um the movie inglorious bastards Mm. um which is was uh directed by quentin tarantino and written by him so uh like i think he has like a a producer credit to like (laughs) he did everything on this film so um so before we really get into that um or into the actual movie i want to talk about um the release information so this was released on august 21st 2009 and it grossed 125.5 or $120.5 million in the United States and Canada and $200.9 million in other territories for a worldwide gross of $321.4 million. Um, and it was against a production budget of $70 million. So this was considered a, a big box office success. It actually became Tarantino's highest grossing film in the U.S. and worldwide until he released uh, Django Unchained in 2012. So this when this I do actually remember when this film was released like it had uh, like really high critical acclaim like everybody was talking about it um unfortunately like even back at think in that time um I had only I think seen one or two um Tarantino films prior I'd seen Pulp Fiction and I think actually I think I saw both of the uh, Kill Bill uh movies but I wasn't really like sold on Tarantino. Because uh, I just felt like, especially Pulp Fiction, is just way too violent. So, um, I well, actually, this last weekend was the first time I've ever seen this film. So, we will get into um, my thoughts on the film a little bit later. But um, as of 2016, Rotten Tomatoes was reporting that 89% of critics um, have given it a positive review. So, it is Certified Fresh um and it basically says it's a classic classic tarantino genre blending thrill ride it's violent unrestrained and thoroughly entertaining um and so they also said that like audiences usually give it an a minus on an a to f scale so both critics and audiences agree that this is a pretty good film so um a little bit about tarantino so before this like film um did had you watched like outside of I think like, everybody's seen Pulp Fiction, but had you watched some of his earlier stuff like Reservoir Dogs or Jackie Brown?
1: So this was actually my introduction into Tarantino. Uh, okay. I'm a young, I'm a youngin. I'd I'm ashamed to say I hadn't seen Kill Bill or Pulp Fiction or even Reservoir Dogs before okay. this.
0: Wow. Okay. So. Uh, I, mean, have, I you, have you since though?
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 I watched. I watch Pulp Fiction. I watch Reservoir Dogs. I watch Kill Bill. Both of them. Uh, yeah, no, definitely okay. have have caught up on Tarantino yes. stuff. So
0: Tarantino is considered like he's very much um, a household name for a lot of people, yeah. and his films do tend to be very violent, but they're also <laughs> very entertaining. So like if you're willing to set aside the violence, they are actually kind of like there's there are humorous parts to find in pretty much all of his films. Oh, yeah. If you're willing to put aside all the blood and the violence, but uh, yeah, so he did, he did reservoir dogs. He did Pulp Fiction. He did both of the Kill Bills uh, starring Uma Thurman, who actually also had a major role in Pulp Fiction, which is why he continues to work with her. Um, and then he did um, Inglorious Bastards. And then he also went on to do uh, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, um, Actually, ended up being his most um, nominated film for Academy Awards, and he actually won two for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But one of the really uh. interesting things that I didn't know was that this movie, Inglorious Bastards, is the first time that any of his films actually won an Academy Award, and that was for Christoph Waltz's performance in the in the film. So it took him quite a while, you know, to get that uh, those uh, like I think to really get the critical like acclaim, just like the, like the movie did. So. Um, we can actually get into it. So the way that this film is broken down, um, I think hopefully most of you have seen this. If you haven't seen this film, stop it right now, go watch it and then come listen please. to our commentary, please. <laughs> we don't want to spoil anything for you, but it's done by chapter. So we'll just break it down by chapter. So, um, I have to say though, that chapter one, when I was watching this film, it is amazing.
1: Yeah. Like, like christoph
0: waltz is just in this beginning part because i'd never seen this before so like just even that opening scene where you have you know the clearly the french father he's cutting the he's cutting the wood and he's telling his daughter like okay go inside with your sisters and like bring me some water and like he knows you know they're coming basically and christoph waltz just like it's fraught with tension because you don't know like why is like why is he coming here and it's very dragged out, and then he's like he's prolonging it by like drinking milk, and just the way he's talking, he's so creepy. Like you just don't know what's going on, and so I remember it like just feeling like it was like building tension. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then at the very end of that first act, and you understand like, okay, like this is this is really setting up the story about who Christopher Waltz is, like his character. Uh,
1: the I think that's like one of the best villain introductions i've ever seen yeah it because it kind of like you can it humanizes him it humanizes a big like obviously the big villain is nazi army hitler that stuff but in this movie in this setting it's this ss officer who's another human but he just it goes into the mind of like what he is thinking right like and you can see when the cars are rolling up, the French father, uh, Lapid, Mr. Lapadite, I think is his name? Um, yeah, La, uh, yeah,
0: Lapetite,
1: yep. You can see the, just the anxiety in his face, and then when he suddenly starts to break when... Uh, Hans Landa is going over, like, what's going to happen if they don't comply with the German army. You can see him well, just like, start so, to like, break for longest, down. For,
0: well, for the longest time, it's almost like, it feels like, oh, like, this French guy, he's going to get away with it. Yeah. Like, he's it's, so it's all gonna calm. Work out. Yeah, he's so like, calm. And you're just like, okay. And then, like, even um, Hans Landa, who is Christoph Waltz's uh, the actor, the way that he is, like, trying, like, it's literally like he's, tw- like, trying to, like, make him feel better and he's saying things that like you would think like oh like is he the villain because he's saying things like oh but i don't like i don't think calling a jew a rat is an insult because i think that's actually like a compliment because you're like saying that that they're clever enough to find different places to hide and so you're just like it's kind of confusing and then he but then he does he lays it out and he basically says like this like if you don't comply like we're going to kill you he said yeah he basically says like if you answer my questions truthfully, we will let you live and we'll let you and we'll never bother you again.
1: And, and he'll so, even give them rewards for it. He said they'll yeah, be rewarded.
0: Like, exactly. He's like, he's like, he's like if you make my job easier for me, I will reward you for this. So it's like, oh my gosh. And so like, he basically gets this guy into this corner where like, he has to give this family up. Like he can't say because he has his own family that he has to protect. And so Exactly. So he does, he gives them up, and they he asks him. and so like one of the really amazing things is how Tarantino uses language in this film.
1: Oh, like, yeah.
0: How you're going, so, like, in the beginning, he's speaking, like, and he's speaking fluent French, okay? So this is, okay, like, Christopher Waltz speaks four languages fluently. He speaks yeah. German, French, Italian, and English fluently. And uh, Tarantino said that he's one of the few, act, like, actors that can, like, switch in and out of like um of accents and out of actual languages without it sounding weird like you yeah. can put like in accents like immediately and like just transition and it sounds like an actual like native speaker and so like it's crazy to me like just to hear him but what he does here is that he's speaking in french and then he finally about half of their conversation, He's like do you mind if we speak in english which is amazing because i'm like i don't like i don't mind Like subtitled films, but I'm like, I would much rather like listen, you know, and be fully like present when you're like taking this in. And then again, he says at the end, he says, "I'm going to um, I'm gonna we're gonna transition back into French, because what he's figured out is that the people he's hiding speak French but not English, and so he can speak to him in English, and then." They switch to French and he's like, I'm going to make it sound like I'm leaving, but you need to point out to me where they are. And so the father points out under the floorboards where where the family is living. And then he's like, oh, thank you. Like, I'm leaving now. Thank you for your hospitality. And he opens the door and closes it to make it sound like he's leaving. And really, he's bringing in the rest of the German soldiers to basically kill the family underneath the floorboards. Yeah. Which is like, uh, Yeah. uh...
1: Awful, awful. I mean, like such a powerful scene, but that ending is so sad.
0: And it, I was actually, yeah, I was like, what? Like, it was a terrible, like, ending right there. But um, one of the one of the family members does escape. Her name is uh, Shoshana, and she ru- she runs out. Uh, and she gets out the side of like basically that the crawl space of the basement underneath. And he runs out after her, and he knows her name. And he calls out after her, and he basically says, like, he literally says goodbye to her in French as she's running away. And I'm like, now he's toying with her.
1: I thought he was gonna, like, raises his pistol, like, aim down, mm-hmm. and, like, gonna. I thought he's gonna take the shot, and I thought, like, Tarantino was gonna make him hit this shot, and I was like, no, there's no way he does this. But it that's like, more suspense. Uh, it's such a good scene. Like, such a... Great scene. Uh it's like one of my favorite parts of the film.
0: Yeah, it's but like just watching him, like he's amused as he's watching her run away. So like to him, like like for me it just seems like this is a game to him. Yeah. And we do like later on, we do get a lot more information about him, which I think kind of does say that like for him, like this is not a personal thing. Like he's literally doing what like he's paid for, like, you know, what it's expected of him. So what he's good
1: at, and it's a job. Yeah. Um, human lives are indifferent to him.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, but I thought that the like the opening to this film, is was amazing. I was <laughs> like blown away. And also, the way that Tarantino uses music to build the tension is like phenomenal. Like the the music choices in this film were great all the way through every single chapter, especially when we get to chapter five. I want to talk about that, but. It it was. i know exactly what you're talking about like it's also great here though like just throughout the film like when those times where you're building to something and you know you're building to something like he just uses music in a really good like just a way that like just adds to the film and you know it just it's almost like another character acting in the film really um and so we get then into chapter two which this is where we meet so i knew brad pitt was in this film and then when we meet him and i'm like First off, my very first reaction is his accent is horrible.
1: Yeah, Brad like, Pitts. I um, am not a fan at all. <laughs> he's very, he's very infamous for his accents. They're either really, really good or they're really bad. But he does them anyway. So this
0: is not. I mean, personally, this is not a good accent. But I don't know if other people might like it. I, think, I did not care for it. I think
1: it. I think what it does. It might not be intentional. I'm not sure, but. I'm sure it might be because Tarantino is he's a perfectionist. He loves to have everything like to the point and to like yeah. a specific detail. So he probably left Brad Pitt doing this accent to give the movie a more goofy overtone as opposed to a yes. very dark end. Well uh, I, I
0: agree too, like some of the more humorous parts do happen. um so Brad Pitt's character is Aldo Raines yeah. or Aldo Rain, and uh, he's from Tennessee. And so he has a very thick southern accent, which is, like, crazy. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> it mixes between so many states and so many different tones of uh, yeah, southern accent. Too,
0: though. Like, So, because, like, I lived in Florida for a couple <laughs> of years. So, like, there was, like, there is a distinct Florida southern accent, like, when you get, like, in the panhandle, especially. Yeah. And it's, like, literally like, he took part of the panhandle, some Alabama, some Georgia, and then, like, <laughs> threw in, like, Mountain people, basically,
1: yeah, like, like with a splash yeah. of Texan in there.
0: Yeah, it is like the weirdest <laughs> southern accent I've ever. But it literally <laughs> sounds like somebody who's never actually like heard a southern accent, or like they, they have heard of a southern accent. Like, and they that's what they're emulating now that they've actually heard somebody. So, um, it very I, much remind So, have you seen Con Air with Nicolas Cage?
1: I have not. I so
0: he I, does. He yeah. does a, another really really thick southern accent which in my opinion again was not great and that's <laughs> what it sort of reminds me of it's just like the whole film and you're just like oh my gosh like I just wish he would not like talk in the accent to be honest yeah like of all the accents you could have picked like you could have chosen I think a better one for him but okay <laughs> 100% Um. so what we meet here is like what he's um saying is that he requested eight American Jews to be part of his special operation and yeah, they're gonna go yeah. Nazi hunting, and but he pronounces it Nazi. Which, <laughs> that's the one thing I was just like, oh my gosh! Like the whole film, it's Nazis. We're gonna, and then he's he literally tells them he's like, each one of you have to scalp ten ten Nazis.
1: Yeah, or is and it hundred? Like, he, like
0: he, what?
1: Hey, oh yeah, 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 sorry, the Nazi, the Nazi scalps.
0: Oh yeah, no, they, So each one have to give him a hundred uh, scalps, right? Yeah. And he basically says like, if if like you either give me all of them or you die trying. Like this <laughs> is something that I will collect. and He says like th- he's like it's a debit. Like you owe me all of these things to get out from under like my like thumb basically, and they're all like, sir, yes, sir, okay. And I really enjoy this too because, like, I rec- immediately recognized B.J. Novak because I watched The Office, so like, I knew exactly who he was. I was like, okay, like, there you go. It's like that. That's Ryan. Okay, I got it. You know. Um, and so um, he basically he basically tells them, like, this is what we're like. We're going to hunt Nazis, as he would say. And so, um, and he says, you're basically going to just pose as civilians. And you're gonna go, and you'll be able to. And he says you're you're gonna be able to carry out your missions because people aren't gonna suspect you of being like these like Nazi killers or hunters. Um, and so um, they are in France, and th- one of my favorite scenes is when we first meet Hitler here, and he is freaking out and he's yelling. And have you seen the angry Hitler things on YouTube? Uh,
1: yeah, I forget okay. I forget what the movie is, but yeah, so yeah, the, the
0: movie yeah. is. It's it was from 2004. It's called Downfall.
1: Right. Because I right. did some
0: research into this. And so it's not the same actor, but it's very similar in tone where, like, you have I write Hitler screaming at the top of his lungs and, like, literally, like, having a condition because, like, things aren't going his way. And so we meet, like, this version of Hitler, and he's, like, really upset because there is this one guy in Reigns, like, under his command called the Bear Jew. And he is like known for being like this like killer. like he just like has no emotions. like he just kills everybody. And so uh, uh, yeah. they call him
1: what? No, yeah, yeah,
0: um, so he he calls um like so he's in a conversation with one of his like generals, and they were talking about it. And so then he calls like, I think it's one of his assistants. He basically says, "I have this order now. He's like, from now from now on, no one is ever allowed to call him that again. Like, because he's, like, so upset that this guy is, like, going against everything that he wants. And so he's, like, if I, like, you know, like, nobody is allowed to say this, like, that's in the Army. Like, you know, in the German military, nobody can say his name. And then um, they, his assistant asked if he wants to see, and they said his name was, uh, I believe it's Private Butts. And he's, like, my favorite, I think my favorite quote from the entire film is right here. And he's, like, who and what is a Butts? <laughs> that actually made me laugh out loud. <laughs> And so he comes in and we realize that this is one of the people that basically um, was tortured by um, Rain's um, army. And so um, do you want to talk about, so like, do you want to talk about this whole scene of the flashbacks that we get?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty integral part. It's, well, cause like it's a lot of comedy too, like thrown into this very serious act of torturing <laughs> Nazi soldiers. Um, yeah. So like they is th- a company. I'm assuming they killed the rest of them, but they have three prisoners. Yeah. Uh, yep. They get the head guy, the guy that's uh, highest rank in this company that's still alive, and they ask him to point out, uh different positions that this, uh, German company, another German company that they're trying to infiltrate will be set up in. So they're looking for, like, sniper positions, artillery positions, and basically the guy won't give it to him. Uh, and then we get the, uh, the one of my, another one of my favorite scenes in the movie where they call out the bear Jew to, uh, beat this guy with a baseball bat. Um,
0: Like the clanging? Like the the extended period of time, you just hear clanging because he's he's clanging a baseball bat against these like metal bars, and it's just and, like and it's building. And this guy Werner is his name, the, this general, and he's just like waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, you see that I mean, he, this is a really buff, like big guy, and he comes out with yeah. a baseball bat. And so we also do find out that he was a baseball player, so like that's why like his whole thing is that he he likes baseball.
1: Heavy and Boston accent on this guy. Very too. big
0: Boston accent. And it's also a really disgusting scene because you literally see him, like, crack oh. this guy's skull open. Like, yeah. And, I mean, like, viciously, too.
1: Yeah, in front of two other German soldiers. Uh,
0: yep. well, yeah. Well, and then, he, like, he, this guy, like, he beats him to death. Like, he's stomping on him. He's hitting him with the bat. You see, like, there, there's one scene where you see some of his teeth flying out. Like, it's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, he, he beats his guy to death, and then like he basically turns the other ones, and he's like, "You got you you want next, you know?" And so this is where we find out that Butson, um, like he gives everything up immediately. Like he literally, put, like any, like he so he's being so there is somebody that speaks German who can translate for them. And so he's translating for rain and for uh, butts and he gives up everything like immediately. He's like this, 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 like like, don't kill me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think before that too, the, the other soldier starts running away and he just gets shot in the back of the head.
0: Yeah. um, Because he tries to run and (laughs) one of the, one of the guys shoots him. But this is also where we find out about uh, Stiglitz.
1: Oh, Stiglitz, Yes.
0: Yes. And so he, okay. So this is, he's played by, um, Till Schweiger who is an amazing amazing actor. I absolutely love him. He's been in a lot of films that I really have had literally have enjoyed in the like the early to mid 2000s. Yeah. And he plays this character amazingly. So he was part of the Third Reich. He was part he was a German officer, but um we find out that he hates Nazis and that he was actually killing like his own people basically. He was killing other Nazis. And so they put him in prison. And so um Rain walks up to him and he's basically like, you want to, you want to join like us and like hunt Nazis? And like, he just nods. He's like, yep. So they basically let him out. And then th- he joins as well. And so Bud basically gives everything up, but they ask him like, what are you going to do with your uniform? And he says, well, I'm going to like, I'm going to take it off and burn it. And um, Rain is like, yeah, that's the problem because people need to know like who what you did. And so Uh, What we find out is that he brands every single Nazi and he he carves a swastika in their forehead so that they will (laughs) always have like a symbol to show people that they were a Nazi. So so they live them alive, but they also like are basically trying to like ruin their reputation or, you know, like any kind of life they may have had is now going to be ruined because they're going to be shown as a Nazi
1: what do you think of the way that they introduce a lot of the uh, like off like, things that aren't very specific, like the Hugo Hugo Stieglitz, they introduce him with, like, a guitar riff, and then, an, like, a yeah. random narrator comes in, and we're like, who, who is this guy? Like, okay, so,
0: like, the narrator, though, is Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, it took me, like, because I was listening, but I, like, wasn't fully paying attention, and then about, like, I think maybe, like, three scenes, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So, they like, he somehow manages to get Samuel L. Jackson in, like, every movie he makes, <laughs> this you. time as a narrator, which I'm like, okay. Um, but I actually kind of like it. I think the narrator really ties a lot of the, the acts together, like the, you know, the different chapters. So I like it. But, and I, like I said before, I do like the music because I think the music adds something to like each layer. So like when he's, when they're doing that guitar riff, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like they're trying to show like, uh, this character, uh, Stieglitz as like, almost like a cowboy, right? Like he, like, he's, he's like, um a maverick he's gone off on his own and so like i think that each time that we get music it's kind of trying to show the characters that they're representing if that makes sense
1: 100 yeah
0: yeah so i really actually really enjoyed um like i wasn't a huge fan of all the violence especially with like the guy getting beat to death but i did enjoy the scene because i think it also really showed that like Rain and his like army, they were not messing around. Like you know, like his group of people, they're they're not messing around. Like they're they're gonna go after these Nazis regardless of what happens, because like it even shows that like they don't even care about dying. Like they will die in like the pursuit of the like of killing Nazis.
1: Yeah, like and it's very he keeps it real while also having like that kind of like air of comedy and uh, not like historical inaccuracy kind of about it where obviously if you were a jewish person and were sent to the german occupied places to kill nazis you would want to destroy them for what they did to your people right like right yeah so like this guy beating him in with a, it's like obviously like probably much worse in real life like if that actually happened it would be a lot l- more disgusting and gory
0: yeah exactly no for absolutely absolutely Um, the one thing that at the end of the scene that did make me laugh is when, um, Donnie is talking, so Donnie is like the, the, uh, the bear Jew. And so he's talking to Aldo and he's like, oh, he's like, your work's getting better talking about the swastika. And, um, this is where he goes, um, Aldo goes, yeah, but he's like, how else am I going to get, get to Carnegie Hall? So he's basically saying like his artwork will make it to Carnegie Hall and his artwork is carving swastikas and Nazi (laughs) foreheads. And I was like, okay, like, to me, that was kind of funny. Just the fact that, like, th- to him, this is, like, you know, masterpiece artwork is him carving into people's foreheads. But passionate. this also shows that, like, Alderain is psychotic.
1: <laughs> true. Very true.
0: It's <laughs> so, like, he's a psychopath, but, like, because he's hunting Nazis, like, we're on his side. But, and, like, in any other, like, storyline, we'd be like, he needs to be in prison <laughs> or he needs, like, psychiatric help.
1: <laughs> <sorry>. So,
0: like,. <laughs> Oh. That just, like, you just think about that and you're just like, in any other film, I don't think we'd be rooting for this character. But <laughs> because of this film, like, you know, the context, we are rooting for, like, yeah. this side, at least.
1: He is a anti-hero, but in this film, he is a hero.
0: Yes, kind of exactly. Style. Yeah. Um. So then we go to the next chapter and then we fight, we see Shoshana again. So it's been three years since um the um ambush on her family. And she is now owns um, a cinema. And she's actually changing the marquee out. And as she's up on the ladder, this young German officer walks by. His name is Frederick Zoller. And he basically starts flirting with her. She is not interested at all. You can tell immediately she just wants him to leave her alone. And it's just, like, this increasing, like, creepiness from him. Like, following her around, like, trying to date her. She tries to, like, tell him, I'm not interested. She finds out he's a war hero, right? That, like, he basically, uh, how many people did he kill in four days? Was it 300? Yeah, 300,
1: I think, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, like, he's, like, bragging about killing all of these, like, uh, like I think it's Americans, right? Like he, or, like, the allies. Like, he's, he killed all these people. And he's considered a war hero. And so Shoshana, um, and the other thing that we realize is that she um, is actually, she has hired a black man, a Frenchman named Marcel, and we find out that they actually like, they are, are, they are lovers, but like, this is highly illegal back in the, back in this day, because you know, black people were treated just as badly as Jewish people, even back then. So like, this is highly illegal. And so uh, one of the things that we do see as well is that she has changed her name to Mademoiselle uh, Mamou. And uh, it's because uh, she does have a an aunt and uncle uh, with that last name. And so she, she just changes her last name to theirs. And she was actually left this, because um, she's like one of the only remaining family members. They left her the cinema when uh, they passed away. So I don't know. Is this story actually true?
1: I don't think so. I, if it is, because it's like, very, how, very exaggerated.
0: How else would she get this cinema?
1: Oh, you mean like the story? The story in her, in the uh, um yeah. So like, is her,
0: like is her story true that like like her aunt and uncle like actually died and left her this? Because I, I mean, how else would she get the cinema?
1: I do wonder because yeah, it's such a random thing to stumble upon a entire an entire movie theater, right? Uh, so with like, that's your me, like, yeah. for me,
0: that's why I do believe that maybe that actually was their last name, and she just changed her last name to theirs. Yeah. So that she could pass off as a French person instead of as a Jewish person.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure, because and I'm sure also, the. Like,
0: she could also pass because she has blonde hair, blue eyes. So she could also like, you know, she could also like pass for, you know, like somebody who is like at least, you know, French and not she like, because she doesn't typically look like Jewish because most Jewish people in Europe in that time had uh, like dark hair and dark eyes, you know? So I don't know. I just found that very interesting, that whole story about how she came to be, you know, in possession of the cinema. And so um, she eventually, um, they talk, she and Zoller talk and Zoller finally, like basically says like, he's this war hero and there's, they're going to make a film about him. And he's, he's actually in the film. Right. And that they're going to be a premiere. And when he finds out she has a cinema, he wants to change the premiere. From where it had been, I think what they said it was like the Ritz, and now they want to. She wants to have it at her cinema, and this causes a security problem because it's you know in a different part of the city. It's much smaller, and um, we find out this is where I think it was uh, Gebel's, um, who is yeah. like Hitler's right hand man, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's also the war propaganda like minister, which we find out. We're like, oh, okay. And so he—he's the one that has created this film. And so there's this scene where she is like once again like up on the ladder doing her the letters, and a car like there's a car that comes up, and there are two German officers that get out and they basically tell her like get your ass in the car, we're going, you know. And she's like, she is like freaking out at this point. She's like, what did I do? Like, what's going on? So I think she's starting to think that maybe they figured out that she's Jewish. They take her to the restaurant where they're all eating dinner. And she's basically told that, like, they are considering having the premiere at her theater. They don't ask her. They just tell her this is what's going to happen. And this is what Zoller tells tells her, even though Goebbels is like, I don't know that this is actually going to be feasible because it should be a larger, you know, theater. And then this is where we meet the head of security, which is none other than Christoph Waltz. And this is where she immediately recognizes who it is because he killed her family
1: yeah so
0: this scene again is done so remarkably well where he basically tells everybody else like you you guys need to leave and i need to have a conversation with her alone and you're like oh no like does he recognize her immediately like what's going on and so i so i have a theory about this because i kind of looked it up and i'm not sure but i i think that he did recognize her but he he didn't care
1: yeah, there isn't a certain air to it where he does. He obviously suspects something, and then.
0: But yeah, so here's the thing: is like he because he saw her when she ran away. Yeah. She would not. She her looks wouldn't change in three years. So yeah,
1: but did he see? But did he see her face though? Because he just saw the back of her. I thought, or did? She, maybe. But it,
0: the the way that it made it seem in the beginning of the film is that he knew who she was. That Because he said, he said that he had been hunting that specific family, the Dreyfusses.
1: That is true. Which is
0: what, what her, so that's why I think, like, so he also does tell her in this scene at the very end before he leaves that he's like, oh, I had another question to ask you, but I totally forgot. And then he, like, he, like, smiles at her in a very creepy way, which to me is, like, more creepy than normal. So to me, it, I think it meant that he knew exactly who she was, but he wasn't going to, yeah. like, bust her, right? That is, yeah. Yeah. Look, that's kind of just the theory. Like, that's kind of just, like, how I felt based on the scene. Because this scene is so creepy, too, because he basically says, like, let's have dessert. And he's like, I want, he's like, I want you to try this Danish, right? Like, whatever they're eating. And he's like, well, you got to have it with cream. And then he orders a milk for her, which the milk is a callback to that original first scene where he drinks two glasses of milk.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's why
0: I was like, I kind of have a feeling that he knows who she is, but he's not saying anything because we also get to see at the end of the film that he has ulterior motives. And so, like, there are things that he wants that have nothing to do with, you know, what the German like um army wants. So um he leaves like after this conversation and he basically just like finds out he does find out about her um and he he actually questions her about the fact that she has hired a Negro, which is what they call them um but did you actually hear when they're speaking in German it's a, it's literally the n word yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I was listening to it like they literally say the n word and like they say the n word, but like with German words around it, I was like, "Whoa, okay, so um. <laughs> And there is a lot of anti-black stuff in this film, too, because that is the actual sentiment that they held. Like, Germans basically said, like, the only reason that Americans do good in the Olympics is because they have a bunch of blank N-words. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so it's just kind of crazy to think about, like, you know, where we're at in society now. Like, wow, like, that would not fly at all in today, like, you know, in today's society, or in society today, sure. so.
1: Well, like, even Ger- like Germany, like, even the dismiss all that stuff just the stuff that they did back then like uh, how far they've progressed from that like yeah exactly yep. um but yeah um, no this scene yeah. is done very yeah. well uh you get you it's the same level of anxiety that her dad had or not her dad the the father had in the beginning where uh, uh land hans lando leaves and then she just instantly breaks down because she's facing the person who just mur- like who murdered her whole family three years ago for the first time since then, and just yeah, this scene is done incredibly well.
0: Um, and then I also like too that like at the very end, before he leaves, he kisses her in the hand. He basically says like, well, before that, he basically says like, you're gonna have to be the one that actually does projectors because that's what Michelle's job was to run the projectors. He's like just yeah. because, and he even tells her he's like um he's like i don't care like who you hire but he's like i'm pot because hitler will be there so he's like i'm positive the fear it's not going to be okay with that so like do you agree to the terms that you'll run the projector and she's like yeah that's fine and he's like okay he's like well that's all really all he needed so he kissed her hand and he leaves and she like she has like a panic attack because she, i think she realizes like oh my gosh like she like he could have like busted her right there and he didn't and he left yeah. And then um, another really amazing scene happens right after this where they show up to the cinema and they decide they're going to watch a film there because they want to see like what is the experience like in this film, like you know, in the theater to watch this film. So they actually do watch a movie and then they're leaving and um is basically like says he's like, Yeah, he's like this is a cute little like theater. He's like, I think we can work with this, but he basically tells her we have to redecorate because it's not like vibrant enough, you know, it doesn't look like ornate enough. And then he's like, Um, did you like the movie or the film? And she's like, Yeah, I like Lillian Harvey and he freaks out. Um, and so do do you know the background to why he said like never mention her name?
1: No, I that's one part that I was like, I don't okay. I, I don't get it.
0: So Lill- this is actually like she was an actual actress. She basically helped a Jewish, um, I believe it's choreographer, escape um, custody and get into another country. And so Lillian Harvey was considered like an enemy of the state to like Germans. So they like, uh... hated her. Yeah. So th- that's the historical context of that <laughs> that scene there. Um, but this also really shows me like here, even here, that like... She, like um, Shoshana, like, doesn't c- give a single F. Like, she doesn't care. <laughs> she's just, like... She, she, it just very much reminds me of what, almost like the Joker. Like, you just want to watch the world burn. Because I feel, really feel like that's what she wants. Because after they leave, she tells Marcel, like, the plan is they're going to burn every single film reel they have. Because they're made of nitrate. Nitrate is highly flammable. And they literally, she's like, I'm just going to burn on the theater and I'm going to burn them all alive. And you're like, what the... like. <laughs> Like, totally came out of nowhere, too, like, and that's her whole plan. I was like, okay, like, she's clearly, but, like, she's clearly suffering from PTSD from watching her family die. But she's like, I'm going to get my ultimate revenge. I'm going to kill them.
1: Yeah. Uh, the classic so Tarantino revenge. I, like, yes, I
0: was like, wow, that's a really, like, harsh, you know, really like, whoa, what is going on here? So I actually really enjoyed that because I was like, this is really cool, the fact that she is willing to take that stand and she's willing to, like, die for this cause to make sure that they die.
1: Um, and that she had that plan so quickly in her head like exactly
0: yeah <laughs> so let me go so that's the end of chapter three so we go into chapter four and this is where um we meet uh they so um it's the british army meeting basically so you have the general which is um ed fennec who is played by mike myers of all people i immediately recognized him too i was like that's shrek
1: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't recognize him i saw in the opening yep. credits like one of my watch throughs uh, whenever i watched this movie i think it was like the fifth time and i was like wait mike myers where is he in this movie yeah, I,
0: I immediately recognized him like immediately I just, I his know. face, like, his face, it, he's recognizable. Now, the other one where, because his back is turned to us, is um, Archie um, Hickox. And I was oh. like, he had, like, I'm like, I've heard his voice before. Like, I know I've heard his voice before. He turns around, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So, that's Michael Fassbender. Now, yes. I have, I have Okay, so I have trivia about this because this made me laugh. Okay. So, Michael Fassbender's performance as Lieutenant Archie Hickox is layered with irony. Fassbender was born in Germany to German and Irish parents and raised in Ireland. Now residing in London with fluency in German as his first language and English as his second, and a mastery of English accents and dialects. But here he plays an Englishman who goes undercover as a German and can speak German fluently, but has difficulty hiding his accent. Like, think of oh, the irony of that, right? It's that's... like the exact opposite. I just thought that was, that was all like insane. But, yeah, so it's Michael Fassbender who literally has a perfect English accent. Yeah, like, you can't tell that he's German. <laughs> Incredible.
1: Like, like,
0: yeah, and in real life, like, he does have a German accent. Like, when you listen to him give interviews, like, he just speaks in a normal, like, his normal accent. So it's crazy that he can, like, just like Waltz, he can he can turn his accents on and off. It's crazy.
1: And he can speak his native language German, which is, and then in an English accent, which is... yes. Yeah, um, and wow. and
0: also, but he also throw it off so it doesn't fu- sound fully like a German accent. So you're like, yeah, oh my gosh, like a exactly. bad accent. Yeah, so like, he can do a bad German accent. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so then um, we realized that they um, are there with um, the Prime Minister Winston Churchill. And they're basically talking about how, like, they're they're going to be doing this operation. They're going to meet up with, some undercover um an undercover um actress and they're also going to meet up with um Rain and his group. And so like it's basically where they're they're going to do this like allied um plan and the the only way they're going to get in is because they do have an undercover agent who happens to be this um Hammersmark is uh played by Diane Kruger and she is a German actress but she's helping the uh, the allied soldiers basically. This whole like this whole act is crazy. Like, everything that happens in the tavern is insane. Do you want to talk yeah. about it?
1: Yes. Okay. So, the, okay, I keep saying it's one of my favorite scenes. I love this movie. Like, hands down, this is one of my favorite movies ever. But this scene, there's so much like setup and like bait and switch. And oh my God. So, we get to the. Uh, what is it? The British soldier, he meets up with the, um, the bastards, and they discuss their yeah. plan. And it's going to be him, Stieglitz, and uh, the other, I can't remember the other German-speaking bastard, but... He, they, uh, Wiki, they're
0: it, it's, uh, w- uh, uh, Vicky, I think. Wilhelm, uh, Vicky.
1: Well, we, oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, so they, they, so they're all planning to go into this bar, meet with, pose as German soldiers, meet with Bridget von Hammersmark. And the, they get in there, and there's unexpected German soldiers in there because there happened to be a baby born to one of the officers, or one of the sergeants. And then yes. there's, uh, we'll get to it later, but then there's a an, an higher ranking officer of the Gestapo in there as well that we've met before in the film. Uh, who is yeah yeah he
0: was he he was the one that made um he was the one that forced uh, shoshana to go to the dinner yeah
1: Yeah. so (laughs) it's just all these layers of things and they're playing so like they're playing the basically heads up i forget what the game is actually called where you put like the, the sticker on your forehead and you have to guess what you are. Yeah, it's,
0: it's very similar to, like, the Heads Up game where, you, like, it's, like, you put the card and then you have to ask yes or no questions to figure out who you are. It's yeah. A, it, it's a very old game. That's where the Heads Up came from. What yeah. I thought was really interesting here, too, though, is um you have, um like, they're they're literally just there to have fun and to like celebrate. So like they're just there at the wrong time. It's literally these German soldiers are at the wrong place, at the wrong time. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and so they they get together. They pull Bridget von Hammerschmark away from these people because she's hanging out with them because they recognize her. Obviously, them being in the German army, her being one of the most, if not the most, famous German actress at the time. Uh, they, they, uh, the bastards pull her away and start talking to the, to her about this stuff. And while she's going to be relaying all this important information, the sergeant who's just had a baby is trying to, I don't know if he's hitting on her or if he's just trying to like talk to her. No, to I think, concerned. I think
0: he's just, I think he's just asking for an autograph.
1: Yes. That's his, what it is. For
0: his son. Cause he, he wants to show it to his son, basically saying, I got the autograph the day you were born.
1: Yeah, but then, but then he comes back because he she gives him the autograph, which is an important part of this scene. Like the scene, I think the next scene or whatever the aftermath of this is. Yes. But then he comes back and is just asking like what she's doing in France and what like all these all these questions. And then finally, I think it's the British uh, soldier. Yeah, it's a
0: yeah Hickox.
1: Yeah, he gets pissed at this guy because they're like he's just trying to get in get the information and get out he gets mad at him where now this guy's name is max maxwell or maximilian no what's the uh what's the soldier's name his name is
0: wilhelm
1: wilhelm yes uh so he it ask where he's from because he doesn't recognize his accent. Cause as we said, he's doing a bad, a German, bad accent. German accent.
0: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and which to me again is hilarious because it's fascinating who is German. That's actually so
1: crazy that, that that's like, that's talent on another level. I couldn't exactly. even imagine. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like imagine
1: trying to speak your accent badly while also speaking your language. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, couldn't,
0: like,
1: I couldn't. How do you do that? I couldn't. Um, but yeah, so then the head, the uh, Gestapo officer, I can't, I don't remember his name. Uh, but um, he, so
0: his name is uh, Dieter Hellstrom.
1: Hellstrom, right.
0: Yeah, Hellstrom, he, yep. Yeah.
1: He comes in and questions uh, Hickox about his accent, and then they end up playing this game that the others were playing. Uh, you can go into the rest of it if you want, because it just goes
0: bonkers. Yeah. So, um, he, he does. just, he tells the major that he's from this like certain village and that he's like, everyone in my village talks like this. And so he basically says that he and his family appear in the film in the skiing scene. So like, he's telling him like, Hey, like we're also in the film that, um, they're going to be watching at the theater and, um, that the director Paps also gave a close, like he was basically giving him all this information to like, try to like, say that, like, um, we're from this, you know, like this bizarre village. You may not have heard of us, but like this real accent in Germany. And so, um, Hellstrom actually does kind of believe him. He's just like, okay. And then they decide to toast, um, uh, Van, um, Hammersmark. Um, and then Hellstrom basically is like, oh, I know that game. And he asks them to play with him. And um, Bridget does agree to one game because she's tr- still trying to, like, d- like, you know, make it so that, like, everything can go back to normal. That, like, they can, they can just make everybody feel comfortable. And um, so they are, so he's, he gets excited. He's like, okay. So he explains the game rules. Um, and then Stiglitz remembers this time when he was tortured. And um, I believe, like, Hellstrom was one of the ones that tortured him correctly. correct yeah yeah 100 yeah so he like freaks out and so then um the major like slaps him on the chest and he's like um write a name of the card and so they they play it and um he i think he has a king kong card and he's asking and so he finally figures out who he is and then his final question is he's like is it the story of the negro in america which i was like okay (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so was actually i wasn't even expecting it i was like he's got this and then he says that i was like wait all those do match up though like
0: yeah yep
1: all the clues uh, for king kong is the same
0: yeah so um he basically tells everybody like finish your drinks and then they they play after they they play the game um he asks who he wants to try next so he points at stiglets but then hickox is like no so, like, at this point, it's kind of clear that Hellstrom still isn't 100% convinced of what's going on here, that, like, there is something off. And so he's, tra- I think he's trying to figure out, but I think, he's, he, I think he's more focused on Stiglitz than anybody else. Because he's trying to, I think he's trying to place where he knows him from, because he did torture him. And he's like, you know, he's trying to rack his brain. So he's like, why do I recognize this guy? <laughs> and so, um, Then I think he orders
1: whiskey, right? Yeah. He, he, that, so th- this is where it gets kind of dicey, cause I didn't know this before I watched this movie. This movie taught it com completely taught this to me. But he asks how many whiskeys he's gonna order for their next cheers, like their final cheers, and Hitchcock says three, but he gives the what is not the German three. He uses his middle three fingers instead of his. And, like, his pinky, ring, and middle finger to say yeah, three, so it's a motion like, for three.
0: And, and, like, I guess it's apparently, like, an English and American thing. Like, when you do the number three, we always do the three middle fingers. But oh. in German, they use the, the last three fingers. So, you, like you said, the pinky, the ring, and then, like, the, the middle finger. Yeah. And so that totally blows our cover. And then this is where we get the biggest action se- sequence of the entire film here.
1: Probably the fastest too.
0: Yeah. So the major he has a Walter, uh, Walter P thirty eight. So he's pointing at Higuchi's testicles, <laughs> which I'm like, okay. Um, and then he also re- reveals that he's actually been pointing his and the major's testicles as well. <laughs> and Siglas is placing his in Hellstrom's lap. So it's like a Mexican standoff, but with their junk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like crazy. I'm like, what is going on in this film?
1: <laughs> it, yeah. It went um, from tension building to like just dudes pointing guns yep, at each other's nuts.
0: Exactly. Yep. Um. And so then they basically say that they tell the bastards like there's no way that they can leave the tavern alive. So Hickox basically tells Sigliss to kill the Major. And then this is where we get the huge gunfight where they literally all kill each other. And then yeah. Wilhelm, who is probably the drunkest of them all, his son is the one that, like, uh, was born, Yeah, is the one left alive. Like, they even killed Matilda, the, the poor bartender. Oh, yeah,
1: I liked Matilda. She's a sweetheart.
0: I like, like, and she was just, like, screaming. And then, like, it was just, I, and she caught random gunfire, too. It wasn't like they were actually aiming at her. She just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. So, he's still alive, but Rain is still up there. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. And so he calls down and he's trying to figure out, like, you know, who's alive. down there. Yeah. And so he, he, talk, he does talk to Wilhelm and Wilhelm's like, everybody's dead down here. But then we do find out that mark has been shot, but she's still alive. And she's like, no, no, no I'm alive. And then um, he basically like, and then you could tell he feels totally betrayed because he realizes that this German is working with the Allies. So he's like really upset. And I think in German, he basically calls her a nothing B word. So like, yeah, he's really upset by this. And so um, he basically like says he's going to, you know, kill her and everything. And then um, Rain's like, no, don't do that. He's like, I'll come down there without my gun and we can just like talk this out. He's like, but I want to get her out of there because like sh- we can we can save her and we can get her um, some medical help. And so he starts on the stairs, but we realize Wilhelm still has his gun. And so he basically says, listen, if you shoot me and I die, they're throwing grenades on here and they're going to blow you up and everybody in here, like they'll blow both of you up and you're you're going to die down here. <laughs> and so this is where Hammersmark basically tells him, he's like, you need to think of your son. Like your son was just born today. Like you need to think about him and think about what you're doing because you're not going to see your son alive if you don't like stop what you're doing right now. So he does, he ends up putting his gun down, and so as Rain comes down, uh, what we didn't realize until then is that she actually had a sidearm, and she ends up shooting um, Wilhelm anyways, because, like, he would have blown their cover regardless. So, uh, they kill, she kills him, and then they take her to a vet, which I thought was funny, and he basically um, has to take care (laughs) of her and remove the bullets. But she also does get semi-tortured by Rain because he doesn't believe her that like what happened because he he thinks that basically she's like you know a triple agent but you know um she set this up and she's like no like this was just a really unfortunate thing that happened because and she even says like Hick, Hick- Hickox blew it like because he's the one that it all started because of him basically. Well- um. It's bad accent if yeah Yeah, exactly yep (laughs) and so she, she does say that germans don't have so she basically says like but they don't have a good ear for italian so like we may get away with it if we try to get people who can speak italian to do their to actually pull their plan off um and then so they they are Taking care of her and, and Hans Landa shows up at the tavern and he's looking around and he's like, What the hell? You know, like, what the hell happened here? And he actually finds uh, one of the, um, unfortunately for Hammersmark, one of her shoes gets left behind and he finds her shoes and he figures out what happened. That, because he also finds her signature on Wilhelm and her lipstick. So he knows that, like, she was there. And that she double-crossed him. So he knows that she's a traitor. And so um, he he kind of, like, seems happy because it's like he's on the hunt again. Now he's, like, tracking her down, right? So I thought that was a really interesting scene here to show that, like, through all of this. And later on, he does call himself a detective. Like, he's figuring out these crimes. And he's, like, solving these mysteries. And so now he has a new mystery to solve that he's trying to find Hammersmark. Um. Hammer and so then this ends up going into um, the next, the last part of the movie where um, he does, he takes, um, Solanda does take the shoe with him. And he also takes the autographed napkin because he's like trying, he's going to try to like obviously find her. Um, and at this point, they're in the lobby getting ready for the opening film. And he walks up and. Uh, he walks up to where Rain and um Hammersmark are. And so you do see Hammersmark, I think is that her left foot is completely bandaged and wrapped because she got shot yeah. in the left leg. Yeah. And so she clearly isn't wearing a shoe. And um he sees her through their disguises, um, because Rain can't speak Italian or German. <laughs> so like it's like clear that. I I don't even know why they tried it with him. Like, he has the worst Southern accent of all time. Like, how would he possibly get past or or be able to disguise himself (laughs) as anything but American?
1: (laughs) It's such a silly, such a silly plan. Uh.
0: It made no sense to me because I'm like, he can't, like, he has the, he even has the worst American accent. Like, he's not going to be able to pull off, like, this plan by trying to, like, show himself or even speak. So it didn't make any sense to me. He also
1: said he spoke the second most Italian, and then and, and he doesn't. I don't think. <laughs> I think he only knows all. two like, words in Italian or something.
0: It was like horrible. <laughs> so basically, what happens is he sees her right away. So he actually separates them, and he takes Hammer's Mark by herself, and he is interrogating her, and um, he basically makes her try on the shoe, and when he realizes it does fit, he strangles her to death. And then um and he basically says like you're a traitor and this is what happens to traitors and then um he orders like them to arrest Rain and then he puts Rain in a truck and then um I think he even puts one of his men on there too. Um and then yeah. they leave. So he actually Londa basically then um so it's Smithson uh Smithson uh, Udovich, which is BJ Novak, that's his real name. So, Smithson, so he puts him on there too. So, um, Londa then reveals himself to be a traitor because yeah. basically tells him at this point that he actually is totally willing to turn himself in, he's totally willing to like disavow all the Nazis if he can basically get a full pardon and like not be like killed. Basically, that's all he's looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So um and he basically tells him like well I have a two-ray radio here. You need to call like your people in charge. He's like, I and he even tells like Rain, he's like, I know that you can't give me the what I need because you're not high enough up. He's like, but I know that you know the people who are. And so one of the funniest things here is what he's demanding. He's like, I want a medal of honor. Oh my god, yeah. I was like, What? Uh-huh. He's like, Yeah, he's like for for dismantling the Third Reich, I won a medal of honor. And he's like, uh, and he's like, I want this and I want that. And he's just like listing all these things off. And unbelievably, they give him everything he asked for. Yeah. You're like, what? But here's the thing is like he tells him, he's like, if you want to win the war tonight, he's like, I will give you everyone. He's like, I'll give you Hitler, I'll give like Goebbels. I'll give you every single person that's in the upper echelon of the Nazis in the Third Reich. You're gonna get them all in one night because you're all gonna be at this this filming. And so you're like, okay, like he's actually like, okay, so Waltz, you know, here, um, Hans, Landa can actually give them like what he's saying. He can follow through because he can make it so that their plan goes through. Because he says right now, all I have to do is pick up this phone and I can ruin your plans instantly. And whoever you have on the inside will just kill. And so they end up they do end up agreeing to his terms. And so he doesn't say anything. And so he lets that plan play out. And so they're clearly not like they're not even in that building. They have gone somewhere else to do this. But back in the actual theater, in the cinema, you have all of these Germans coming to watch the film. And Shoshana is um, now in the uh, projector room. And you can tell like uh, she and Marcel do have a plan of what's going to happen. So like each point, like, you know, that something's going to happen. And so this is the point, though where the music is amazing as the music like there's different scenes so as the music is building you know okay like this plan is now put in motion and so like when you get uh, some of the bastards get up and leave the film like while the film is airing they get up and leave and you're like the music's playing you're like okay like this is now in motion and then when um you have Marcel getting ready to do his plan then you get like even higher music and so it's done so well that like this music is just, like, the, the beats that it's, like, playing is, like, it's just, like, the swells, it's so good, and oh, good. it just adds to, like, the, the tension of the movie, and you're just like, okay, some, something big is coming, something big is going to happen here, you know?
1: Yeah. And then Zoller comes to visit Mr., Mrs. Well, so, one
0: of the things that you see, even before this, is that she has spliced the movie together, and yeah. she basically has re-edited the movie to make Zolar look like an idiot. And he's really unhappy with this. <laughs> so he, he goes up to confront her because, like, he wants to know what the heck happened. And she basically is just like, oh, yeah, come in, come in the room and lock the door.
1: <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she bait, she baits him in there. Um, yep. Pulls out her little, I don't even know what kind of gun that would be. It's like a teeny little, it's like a it's stripper a pistol. Little,
0: it's just like a tiny little pistol. Yeah. Yeah. Out of purse. And she shoots and, him in the back when he turns around to lock the door.
1: Oh uh, yeah.
0: I was like, wow, okay.
1: And then and, it, it kind of shows it kind of shows her humanity when she he kind of like makes a noise as well, and then she goes to check on him. Whereas if it was the other way around, it wouldn't be the same way. Because... No,
0: no, yeah, no way. Yeah. She, but she does. She rolls him over, and he's still alive, and he shoots her back and kills her. Yeah, and so then he dies himself and i was like what i like what a way to go out though i mean i
1: didn't expect her to die that uh, was was so unexpected either
0: but like i think it also kind of just showed like what i said before is that like she really didn't care because i think for her like when her family died a part of her died too and a part of her humanity uh, humanity did die because she was so willing to do anything to get that revenge and her plan was already put in motion Because what you see is that Marcel literally locks every single person in the cinema so they cannot get out. And so, like, this plan is in motion and they're going to see this through regardless of what happens. And so, um, Toshana, so, like, they're watching the film and, you know, he cards the swastika and they're all cheering. And then the question is, like, they say something about, like, you know... Do you have a message for germans and then she pops up and then we realized because earlier in the film she told Marcel, i want to i want to actually create a film for the germans she splices this into the film and she's like i have a message for you she's like you're all gonna die and i'm jewish <laughs> and so um and then she has like it's like this horrible laugh and as she's laughing marcel lights everything on fire they're all screaming, trying to get out, and you just hear this laughter, like, echoing, like, just echoing it, echoing and echoing as, like, this whole theater is basically being burned alive. And then the other thing we realize is the bastards have actually strapped dynamite to themselves, and they're going to blow themselves up to make sure that this plan works. Yeah. Like, even the bastards, like, they don't care if they die. They're going to take them all out, and they're going to take themselves out with it, but they don't care. No.
1: Uh, more, uh, there are more important things at stake than their lives.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so everything is destroyed. The entire thing is burnt, like burned down. Hitler said every single person in the theater dies.
1: And then they,
0: the and then bastards the,
1: bust but, in and just start shooting
0: everyone. Yeah, they just shoot everybody. Like it, it just, it's, it all happens. Just like and everything goes up in flame and everybody dies. And the only people left standing are, La- are Landa rain and uh who they call they and which it's also funny because um he tells um the the guy that went with rain he's like yeah he's like your nickname was the little man he gets really offended he's like little man like how dare you call me that he's like well you're much taller in real life <laughs> and like this is kind of funny but the, they're the three that are left alive and so um Rain is basically like they're standing because it's across the border between where, like, you know, the the occupations and uh, Londa basically uh, says, like, I'm willing to turn myself in. And so they are they go there. And so he does have a driver that killed the driver because I can't let him get away. And so uh, but before, like, the end of the movie uh rain uh does carve the swastika in uh landis forehead and he says that that is probably like the best masterpiece that he's ever done is by getting to carve that in his head
1: and it shows a good contrast between like if a german soldier did something like that like went against command like what would happen to them versus yep. uh rain is just like ah he'll probably just chew me out i've been chewed out before doesn't really exactly. matter
0: exactly yep
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um and so he does um He does do that. Which okay. So in the in the scene before that, when he's actually on the phone with his superior officer, he's like, and his commanding officer tells him, he's like, "You're you're to capture him and turn him over." Did you recognize his voice?
1: I did not. It's
0: Harvey Keitel.
1: Oh, Harvey it's
0: the name it's the voice of the commanding officer i recognized his voice immediately i was like i know exactly because i'm like it's the same guy from like the national treasure movies and like <laughs> yeah it's, it's him so yeah it's 100 him so um, that's crazy but yeah so that's the end of the film so um before we get into our rankings i, d- I had just a couple things of trivia that i wanted to talk about which okay. i thought it was really interesting so number one was Quentin Tarantino was considering abandoning the film while the casting search for someone while well, casting um, for someone to play Colonel Hans Landa. He said that he feared he'd written a role that was unplayable. But the moment that Christoph Waltz auditioned, he immediately knew that that was the actor. And then they decided that they were going to go ahead with actually doing the film. Said. That was, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only movie, so this is actually the only movie that Brad Pitt ever made as a leading actor for the Weinstein Company or its previous iteration, Miramax, because um, back in the 90s, he dated Gwyneth Paltrow and Gwyneth Paltrow told him that she was sexually harassed by Weinstein. And so he despised him and refused to do any film. And he said the only reason that he did this film is because he wanted to work with Tarantino, be- you know, before like he was done as an actor. Yeah. Um, okay, so, um, so this is also funny. Diane Kruger, um, best known performances until this film were English roles because like, she spoke English. She speaks it fluently. Quentin Tarantino didn't think that she could master a German accent until he found out later she actually is German. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh,
1: like, yeah, I knew she was German. It's like, wait, she's only been in English films. What?
0: Yeah, well, up until that point, like, he'd only ever seen her in English roles, so he thought she was English. I was like, you didn't even do your, like, own research to find out she's German?
1: Tarantino's research is just watching a billion movies.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, and then she literally walked in and, like, literally rattled German fluently, and she's like, I'm a native-born German speaker, and he's like, oh, okay. So, like, that's basically how she got her role. So this is actually the last piece that I had, and this is actually based on something real that happened in World War II. So the movie is fictional, but it was partially inspired by Operation Greenup. It was a real-life mission by the Office of Strategic Services. In February 1945, three OSS agents, Frederick Mayer, a German-born American spy, Hans uh, Weinberg, a Dutch-born agent who, like Mayer, was Jewish, and Franz Weber, a former Austrian uh, Wehrmacht officer, were parachuted into Austria. For several months, Mayer gathered intelligence for the Germans on, on the Germans' Alpine fortress by posing as a Nazi officer and as a French electrician. While staying with Weber's family in Innsbruck, Weinberg and Weber radioed the intelligence back to OSS operatives in Italy. When Mayer's cover was blown by a black marketer, he was captured and tortured by the Gestapo, but he refused to give up the other agents. However, Franz Hofer, commander of the Nazi forces in Western Austria, realized the war was lost and was looking for a way to surrender his forces to the Allies instead of to the Red Army. He had Mayer brought to his house and offered to send a message for him to the OSS offices in Bern, Switzerland, through a German agent. Mayer helped to negotiate the surrender of Germany's Austria forces, which took place in Innsbruck on May 3rd, 1945. And afterwards, Mayer and Weinberg returned to America. In 2012, they were reunited via webcam interview for the History Channel documentary *The Real and Glorious Bastards*. Weinberg died a day after the re- reunion. That's sad. But I mean, like it's just in, like amazing that, like even his family had said. Because I did some research that, like he basically held on until you could see like his comrades again. Basically, like it's just an amazing story. But like mm-hmm. they said that it was partially like um, Tarantino had read something about this, and so that's really what inspired him to like make a film kind of based on, you know, the life of like what they, they had done. So I thought it was really interesting.
1: Really interesting. I had no idea.
0: Yeah. I thought it was kind of really, really cool that something like that would happen. So, um, on the podcast, we do have a rating system. So we're going to talk, first of all, we'll, we'll talk about what we think Abed would rate it. And then we'll give our personal rankings. Sometimes they're a little bit off. So, um, if you were Abed Nadir, where would you rate this film?
1: Oh, This is going to sound, because, like I said, one of my favorite films, this is going to sound like it's coming from my perspective, but I was (laughs) thinking about this earlier. Abed loves when movies portray a warped version of reality, or when, like, shows even do that. And, like, Tarantino's way of doing this is so goofy and action-packed, gory and witty dialogue like I feel like Abed would love this. Like it's I'm it's either a a four uh, or a five. So that um, it's either a Kick Puncher Detroit or a Butter Noodles. Like for yes, Abed,
0: I would totally agree with this. Um, but I also would say that I do believe Abed is a big Tarantino fan because we know that he lo- he loves Pulp Fiction. Like he does reference True. this movie and he does like it. So I think that he just as a Tarantino fan, I would say it's going to be high. But again, I do think that he will like almost the absurdity of this film at times and that like it's, you know, it's like you can clearly tell because like you said, Abed kind of likes it when like there's a clear differentiation between what's real and what's fiction. And so like because like this is clearly like fiction to almost an absurd level at times, I do think that he would rate this really highly as well. So I would say probably about a four and a half, somewhere between Cake in Detroit and Buttered Noodles. Yeah. So where we but personally where would you rank it? Know, like
1: ten. Ten out of ten. Or so five, five, I guess. Five. Five, five okay. out of five. Sorry. Yes.
0: Butter okay. noodles
1: for me 100%. Um, a hundred percent.
0: Um, I'm gonna go slightly lower. I'm gonna give it a four, only because I'm not really big on the violence, but I think yeah. it's an amazing film. I do think it is a good film, like just like cinematically the way that it was done i think it is a great film like again like the music is so good in this film that opening sequence is one of the best openings i've ever seen in a movie like it's done so well i just personally am not a big fan of all the gore and the violence so i probably (laughs) give it a four but it's still like i would still rank it high i think it's a very good movie i'm glad i did watch it um and also like i i taught history for many years and so i like the different like the different spoofs or, like, the different takes on what could have happened in World War II, you know, just, like, getting those different, like, you know, what would have happened if this had happened, and, you know, like, Hitler would have died here instead of there, so I really do enjoy that as well as, like, a, a, as a history teacher, and I, you know, I have a minor in history, so I definitely would give it probably at least a four, if not four and a half, so.
1: I can get the violence. When you first said that um, this film was his first nominated. I was like, What? Tarantino's Mates like pulp how is Pulp Fiction? But then I realized, like, especially back then, like yes act- story movies, like people hated that. Or like yeah. most people hated that. And then there was a big like niche market where people were like, Hell yeah, like finally one of these kind of movies. And yeah, then it I mean like normalized.
0: I like like i said i think the movie is fine it's just i'm I'm just still not really big into like just you know violence for violence sakes or just a lot of gore and so there's some things that like i like you can leave some things to the imagination you know yeah, like
1: uh, like when we were talking about the ending when hitler's dead and his body's just laying there and they just spray a hail of a hundred bullets into his body <laughs> exactly. and it shows, it shows it just like, like taking away his matter like,
0: yeah, there's just some things like I literally in my notes I had written like uh beating Nazis to the death with a baseball bat like no thank you I couldn't yeah. do it without that <laughs> like yeah right. I'm just like not not hundred percent sold on that at all time you know yeah
1: but I get it that is, like
0: it is a good film so I'm not gonna like take away from it just because you know I have a personal preference but I probably would rank it somewhere around where Ahmed would rank it too so yeah um. Thank you so much for coming on and oh, discussing you. this uh, film with us.
1: Um, thank you so I much for that,
0: having me. Yeah, no problem. Like, it, it's amazing. Um, I, I love, I can I can talk about movies for hours. So mm. it's just always fun to get together with people and talk about them. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to um, our listeners. If you could leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. And as always, we look forward to seeing you guys in our next episode. Thanks so much. Bye. Yeah.